Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Want to learn more about us? Check us out online at thefathershouse.com. We'd love to stay connected. Now, let's go to this week's message. Well, good morning again. How are you guys today? You doing good? Glad to have you here in the house. My name is Pastor Nita. I'm married to Pastor Terry. I have the honor of being married to Pastor Terry. He's such an amazing guy. I know it's Mother's Day, but he's a pretty awesome husband and father and grandfather and pastor. So I love him so much. I'm so glad God brought us together. I am truly, truly blessed. Another way I'm truly blessed is uh, to be here standing here teaching you on a Sunday morning. Not everybody does that. Not everybody goes for that. But again, I'm honored to be here. And my prayer for us today is that you would leave with something that you can take home with you that changes you to be more and more like Jesus. Because that's what it's all about. Because if we keep here and then we do nothing, God's going, okay now, can we grow a little bit? Can we change a little bit? That's our heart. Um, So listen, this Let's do the this is my Bible, because it's important, because we're trying to teach you guys, get your own Bible and start reading it. Come on. Now, I know that we provide the scripture on the screen because we use a lot of different translations, but you can go home and look in your own Bible. Let's say this all together. Hold up your Bible. Hold up your iPhone, as PT says, your eyeball, whatever it is that you got the word, your heart, hold it up, whatever. Let's do it. This is my Bible. It is the word of God. It is life to me. Today, I receive the word. I confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive, I am obedient, and I will never be the same again in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope so. That's what we're talking about. Um, So, hold on a minute. I'm looking at the wrong piece of paper. Okay. Um, So, this is the league of the least likely. This is not the league of the less than. So don't be feeling like you're less than anybody. None of the people that that God used were less than anyone. They might have thought they were, but they really weren't. So in review, what did we do? We said week one, Jesus. That was on Easter. Jesus, the least likely rabbi from Nazareth. Then we went to David, the skinny-armed sheep herder. Then we went to Shamgar. Who ever heard of Shamgar? The unconventional deliverer. Then there was Mordecai and Abigail, unseen heroes. And And then last week was Ehud, the left-handed assassin. If you missed any of these, you can go back to the archives on our website and go ahead and catch up and then send it on to somebody who needs it. There's people in your life that need to know that there is a league of the least likely. Don't forget, you can get your t-shirts if you want to do that. I have a great story about somebody that shared this and what in the world does that mean? And he told them, and it was great, how God uses ordinary people, the least likely to do extraordinary things, right? Right. Amen. So you should be happy to be in the league of the least likely. I am. Um, So there was a wise king that decided that he was going to put a big boulder in the middle of a road leading in and out of the kingdom. For most of the day, busy merchants and wealthy nobles although very irritated, would go by this big boulder. And they just kept trying to get around it. And they would make their way around, but they were actually very, a lot of them cursed the king, like, why doesn't he move this boulder? So, finally, one day, there was a 
vegetable farmer who had a small cart that really didn't have a hard time getting around the boulder, but he was watching other people and how hard they were having a time to get around it. So he decided, I'm going to try to help out. So he left his cart and he started moving this boulder. And nobody helped him. Not even the people that were being put out of their way. He kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And finally, he moved the boulder. When he was making his way back to where the boulder was, he saw something. And it was a money bag. He picked it up, opened it up, 12 coins and a note from the king that said, thank you. Come on, how about that? Every obstacle in our path is an opportunity for reward. But most people see the obstacle and they go around it. This guy moved it and there was a blessing in it. So today I want to talk about Rahab, the believing unbeliever. Now we're going to get to that in a minute, but really today is talking about, is your past an obstacle to opportunities? Do you see things that happened in your past as an obstacle or as an opportunity? What does your past whisper to you? I know you hear it sometimes. Let me share some of mine. Shame, regret, condemnation, disqualification. Maybe those whispers haunt you from things you did years and years ago or maybe though they haunt you from things you did this very week. It doesn't matter. Today we're going to look at Rahab. Now, many of you know who she is because it usually says Rahab the harlot or Rahab the prostitute. But she was a Canaanite, the hated people of Israel. Um, she was a woman. And she was a prostitute. Now, how in the world could God use her? Does that sound like somebody that we should be putting up on a pedestal and going, woo, look at her. But I'm going to show you some things today that maybe you've never seen. I want you to read the Bible. I want you to read this story in Joshua chapter 2 when you get home. Because guess what? Guess why? The Bible is amazing. You should really read it. You really should. You should go. These stories are just incredible. And I would love for you to get a sense of that by yourself. On Wednesday worship, we always say, this is the Bible. And all the stories in the Bible are true. true. They're all true. Rahab's story starts in Joshua chapter 2. After wandering around for 40 years, remember, they were trying to get to the promised land. So finally, Joshua was poised to take the land of Canaan, and the first city in the way was Jericho. Most of you guys have heard of Jericho, right? It was a big city with big walls. So Joshua's like, we need to send some spies in there to see how we're going to take this city. So he sent in two spies, and guess where they went? right to Rahab's house, which was in the wall, and it was the prostitute's house. And I'm thinking, why did he go there? I don't know, but God used it because many men were coming and going, and they weren't recognized. So I believe that's all they did. Then, sorry, um, <laughs> then when they got there, uh, she was like, okay, what are we going to do? Surely that um, there's going to be, she said, I know that, that you guys are plotting something. But the king found out about it. And he was like, 
Go tell Rahab she needs to get rid of those spies. They're going to try to destroy our whole city. But she hid them on her roof. She hid them on her roof. And that night, as the two spies were safely hidden on her roof, Rahab made a bold claim and a request. Joshua 2.9, I know the Lord. Now remember, she's not a believer. She's not an Israelite. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. All of a sudden, the unbeliever starts believing. Hmm. She told the spies how everyone was terrified. They'd been fearful. You know, they heard the stories of what God had already done, and they were like, how are we going to win with that kind of backing? So in Joshua 2 and 11, it says, No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things, for the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth above below. So many of them were afraid, but they didn't do anything. They didn't do anything. Maybe she was the only one that said, well, well I'm going I'm to try to do something to save me and my family. So she didn't let her fear drive her to do nothing, but she allowed that to transform her into a believer, into a believing unbeliever. Well, I know God's done great things. I'm going to see what he can do for me and my family. She trusted God. She trusted God. She only heard about him. She didn't know him. She only heard about him. But she knew that they accomplished crazy, amazing things with God on their side. But that was enough for her to believe. She said, okay, I'm good. And you know, the Bible tells us that she had faith that was backed up by her actions. Okay, but that was enough for her. Now, here's a fill-in for you. Every opportunity to fear is also an opportunity to trust God. Ooh, let that sink in for a minute. I'm afraid. I don't know if I can. Well, if you trust God, I guarantee you it's going to work out okay. So every opportunity to fear is also an opportunity to trust God. Then look at Joshua 2, 12, and 13. Now, swear to me, she tells them. I just hid you, right? Now, swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father and mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all of their families. So she asked the spies to spare her life and her family's life. Save us from death. So she let them down with a cord. They went and, they, and they, she said, go and, and hide for a while till they can't find you, uh, but go down this cord. And they said, all right, wait a minute. Before we leave, we need to say something to you. This isn't on the screen, but Joshua 2.17 says, the men said to her, we will not be bound by this oath you made us swear unless when we enter the land, you have tied the same scarlet cord in the window, the one that you let us down on, and unless you brought your father and mother inside of the house, then we're not going to save them. So she had to do something. Now, we skip to chapter 6 in Joshua, and Jericho was waiting because they knew it was coming. The tension and fear was intense, and it grew worse and worse every day, and they didn't know what to do because, again, these Israelites, man, they have won some crazy things, battles, and they went, went through the Red Sea, and then they went through the Jordan, and it's like, what are they doing? How do we even think about 
beating them. So she kept the scarlet cord in her window because she said that she would and they told her that's the only way we're going to know where you are. So Rahab kept that cord there. They started marching around. You guys know the story, right? You've sung the little song. They kept marching around day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six. And on day seven, because God is seven, perfection, he said, I want you to march around seven times. And on the seventh time, when you hear the trumpets blow, then you shout and the walls are going to come tumbling down. And the walls came tumbling down. Jericho imploded on itself. But guess what? Everybody perished except Rahab and her family because they made a promise to her that if she would keep the cord and keep her family inside, I don't know how big her house was, but it was her father, her mother, her kid, the, 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 all the family was in there. Joshua 6.23 says, So the young spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, mother, brothers, everyone connected with her. They got the whole family out and gave them a place outside of the camp of Israel. So not only did they save them, they said, hey, we're going to put you up over here right outside of the camp near Israel. But God didn't leave her outside of the camp. He brought her smack dab into the center of Jesus' family tree. What? Come on. First of all, she was a pair up. A prostitute. Second of all, she kind of fibbed a little bit about where they were when they said, where are the spies? But she didn't lie to God. She lied in the situation because those, those spies she knew, uh, I mean, the, the guys that were looking for them, it was like diversion. Okay, don't use that as an excuse, by the way. Anyway, but listen, in Matthew chapter 5, in Matthew chapter 5, when, when Matthew starts talking about the lineage of Jesus, this is so amazing. Remember, read the Bible. It's really awesome. Um, as it goes through the lineage, in verse 5, it says, Salmon, not Salmon. I don't know. Maybe it was Salmon. Uh, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. He didn't call her a prostitute. He said the mother of, Rahab, uh, the mother of Boaz. So Rahab was saved. She was brought into Israel and ultimately she was used by God to play a role in the lineage of Jesus. Now listen, one of the two spies that went in at first, who she hid and helped escape, later on saw the change in her behavior. She didn't just go set up another brothel outside of the city. She started changing her ways. I mean, the God of Israel saved her. So he saw that, the change in her character. He was the head of the tribe of Judah. And guess what? He married her. He married her. She and Salmon became the great, great grandparents of King David. I mean, that deserves a little, hey, if God could use her, he can use me. This makes a one-time bad girl an ancestor of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So because of her faith, because of her faith, she and her family were spared. Now, the book of Hebrews and James list Rahab in the hall of faith, the catalog of faith. Look at Hebrews eleven thirty-one. 31. By faith... 
the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. The unbeliever who began to believe. The believing unbeliever. Rahab's story, this is another fill-in, illustrates that God's purpose is not limited to your past. Say that out loud. God's purpose is not limited to my past. So number one I want you to take away is God saves those with a past. God saves those with a past. No matter what your past whispers to you, no matter what your past holds or, you know, what's going on, that's why Jesus was born. That's why he came and died for us so that we could have eternal life and freedom and forgiveness of all of our sins. Maybe she came from a brokenness. Maybe she came from abuse or pain or who knows what, but she made choices that led her down that road, but she released it to God. She surrendered to God. The good news is that no matter whatever choice you make, no scar ever inflicted, no drink ever taken, no words ever, ever spewed out, no misuse of your body can keep us from the saving grace of Jesus. Aren't you glad about that? Yeah. Amen. Our past is never good enough to earn God's salvation or shocking enough to keep us from it, no matter what. Now, let me just insert something here real quickly. Because in the eyes of the Canaanites, she really wasn't doing anything wrong. That's just how they lived. That's what they did. They weren't believers in God. They were like, okay, so that's her job. Okay, that's her business. Um, her line of work was acceptable. But this didn't excuse her for living a sinful life according to the standards set by God. And that's why she began to change the way she lived. She didn't just ask for forgiveness, but she showed a repentant heart. She showed a repentant heart from turning away from the society and starting a new life. So repentance is the word metanoia. You've heard that before. Metanoia, by the way, you could find that in your Bible. Metanoia, especially if you have a study Bible and you look in the back and you see all the different words, original language. Um, but that's a 180 degree turn from our ways. So she was walking this way in her business and in her lifestyle. And then once God saved her from that, she repented. She realized her mistake. She asked for forgiveness and she turned around and she walked this way. Never to go back there, because that's where the past is, but that's what God used to get her to the future, right? Okay, so repentance is important, and we wish that it was one time forever, but it's not. Sometimes it's every single day we have to ask for repentance. If you find yourself continually going down the wrong way, whew, you need to pray. You need to ask God to forgive you, and you need to renew your mind to what God's word said. He said, I got a better plan for you. You don't go down that way. That's destruction. Go this way. So repentance would never be complete without changing your way of life. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but the worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. So Jesus' perfect sacrifice for each and every one of us covers all of our sin. So what's the deal? Why is this shady woman you know, listed as one of the people that had faith and that we see her and honor her as righteous in spite of her 
indiscretions. At the end of the day, it really doesn't matter why God forgave her. It matters that he did forgive her. And it matters that he will forgive you no matter what. So God saves those with the past. Number two, God uses those with the past. Now, you might say, yeah, I get the God saves those with the past, but I'm not so sure I can get on board with the God using those with the past, especially me, because you don't know what I did. Let Rahab's story convince you that God used her mightily. I just shared some things with you that what in the world, the lineage of Jesus, he used her. But notice that she was obedient because they had a stipulation. We're going to save you if... Put the cord out, leave the cord out, have all your family. Can you imagine? I don't know how many there were. There might have been 20 plus of them staying in one little place. And she said, you can't leave. You can't walk out. If you're outside, you might not make it. You have to stay inside. We cannot believe in God at the same time and go against his will because faith and action go together. Faith and action go together. Uh, she could have easily said, no, nah, I don't think so. I don't want to do that. But she didn't. She knew that she had to submit to what they were saying to do. You know, a lot of times, and I'm not, real, I'm not getting on to anybody. Let the Holy Spirit convict you if, if he needs to. But so many people that call themselves Christians are accepting Jesus, but they're not accepting his way of life. They're, they're writing their own rules. Remember, everybody did what was right in their own eyes. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. God wants us to worship him in spirit and in truth. And I'm not just talking about coming to church on Sunday morning, raising your hands during the worship songs. It's your whole life. So if you're a believer, we got to get in line with the ways of God. So he used Rahab to save the spies, to save her family, and also to shape the character of her son named Boaz, who would eventually one day rescue a young Moabite woman named Ruth. Read the Bible. It's so awesome. I'm telling you, these stories are amazing. And listen, if you have a hard time following stories, get a children's Bible. Those children's Bibles with the illustrations and stuff are so awesome and easy to understand. You could start there and then move on in to the big Bible. <laughs> so don't let those whispers of your past keep you from being used by God. What the enemy can bring up, you know, in your past make you feel disqualified. It's not true. Don't give him ground. It's not true. You got Jesus on your side. So number one, God saves those with the past. Number two, God uses those with the past. And number three, God redefines those with the past. Redefines. When scripture mentions Rahab, she must always is called the prostitute. I told you that. Rahab the prostitute. But God renamed her. When, when, when going through Matthew, it was Rahab the mother of Boaz. Now, God redefined her, and he can redefine you. He redefined her from a fallen woman to a chosen woman. From a bad girl to a bride. From a mess to a mother. And from a prostitute to a predecessor of the Messiah. Yeah, come on. God can redefine you and me as well. 
Now look in your handout and you see that I left, uh, listed several situations in there and several scripture for you to look up in your Bible. Bible. I want you to go find those. I could have put those in there, but I want you to go home and look those up and see it for yourself. That if you have hopelessness, you look at 1 Peter 1 and 3. Whatever the situation, look that scripture up. Don't let your past dictate your future. Look what happened to Lot's wife when she turned around. Whoa, pillar of salt, she's done. We don't want you to do that. We want you to keep moving forward. So God saves those of us with a past. He uses those of us with a past. And he redefines those of us with a past. See your past as an opportunity for God to use you and don't see it as an obstacle. I want you to meet Rochelle right now. Rochelle's going to talk to us a little bit this morning. Come on, Rochelle. Love you. Mm. Okay, have a seat. So God redefines us. Um, I think you believe that because yes. once you get saved, you know it's on. Yeah? Okay. Um, okay, so God redefines us. So how would you define yourself before you gave your life to Jesus? So before I gave my life to Jesus, I was a very nasty, mean person. Um, I did not care about other people. I had no compassion for what they went through, how they um, looked at me, um, didn't care if they liked me, didn't care if they mm. didn't like me. I was taught at a very young age that respect is earned and not just given. And I took that like, uh, I don't have to respect anybody, right? Mm. So. Mm. so once you got saved, how did he yes. redefine you? Uh, well, I got baptized, and you think that that changes everything. Well, it doesn't. So <laughs> you have to do the work yourself. Come on. Um, Faith and so, action. Yes. I started to focus on myself. I had to go through a kind of dark path of why I was the way that I was, what created me to be that way. And... Um, that was a hard road to go down, mm. but going through it, I seen that I had a lot of strengths and um, I could use those strengths, but I needed to pray that God softened my heart. Good. And that has been a daily prayer for over three years. Um, and it, it's not okay. easy sometimes. You keep, it's keep on easy. praying. Yes. So before you got baptized, I mean, before you got baptized, yes. tell us that little scenario, because like Rahab, mm -hmm. you had to change some things okay so i met my husband elias and we had vowed that neither one was of us were going to get married i had never been married i did not view marriage as something that was important in life i did not have very good role models as my parents had been married for 30 something years um they were not happy mm. they fought all the time cheated left and right so mm. i didn't view it as something my husband had had two marriages so he was on the same board as me um, however, I was touched by the Holy Spirit um, here on a Wednesday night gathering, and I knew that it was a path that I wanted to find out more about because yeah. I didn't know. And I wanted to get baptized. I went and talked to Pastor Tim, and at the time we were not as close because his wife's my best friend. Um, and he said that he couldn't baptize me if what? we weren't married. Mm. So... But Being you weren't that, just not married, you were living together. We were living together, yes, yes. Completely in sin. So, 
Thank you for telling us that. Okay. I chose that I had two options, right? I could find a different church that would maybe allow me to, right? I could, well, I had three options. I checked in the Bible to see if there was somewhere in I there I could convince him that it, I could do whatever I wanted, right? Because I'm used to being able to do whatever I want. It's not in the Bible. Hello. Just so you know. <laughs> just so you know. So I didn't really have a choice. Um, I had to go talk to Elias because my choice, either I was going to get baptized or we were going to separate. Mm. And we were away on vacation with our kids, and I said, um, we need to talk. I want to get baptized, but the only way I could get baptized is if we get married. So we have one choice. We either get married or you're moving out when we get back. Good. So I gave him an ultimatum. He accepted. <laughs> Good. So you got married, you got baptized, yes. and then you had to constantly work this out, work out your salvation. Yes. Um, and then now you have such a heart for the young girls here at yes. the Father's house. Yes. Just share just a moment what God now is, how he's using your past to bless and speak life into others. I never in my life would have thought that I would be working with kids. Love you guys much, but never in my life did I think. Um, one thing I did good in my life was a mother to my kids, and that's because that's the first time I felt love in my life. Mm. So it was easy to me to love my own kids back. But um, I became a youth leader last August, I think, but I had been talked, somebody had kept talking about it, talking about it to me, and it just wasn't something I was well, willing to do. Um, I wasn't ready. Okay. So finally I became ready and I stepped into it and I absolutely, I think I get just as much out of being with them as I think that they get out of being with right. me. Um, Amen. I wanted to, my commitment to myself, to them that they don't even know was to be there for them, allow them to come talk to me. They don't need another mom. They need somebody that they can confide mm -hmm. in, somebody that they can trust that's going to be there for them, that's going to listen to them. Right. Um, and that's what I wanted to be because I didn't have that growing yeah. up, and I wish that I did. One thing you shared with me that I think is very important is it also had you go into the Word because oh, yes. how could you try to help if you weren't sure yourself? Yes. So in Second James, it states that those that teach will be judged more harshly. Ooh, ooh. That really stuck with me, and it scared me. Um, because how can I teach them if I don't know? So I found an accountability partner to read the Bible, Kristen. Um, she keeps me accountable. Good. And, yeah, because before I go to Wednesday night, I do my reading. I go over the plan. I make sure right. that if I'm going to say Amen. something to them, yes. I know what I'm talking yes. about. Yes, good. So you get changed and yes. they get changed. Yes. Awesome. Thank you, Rochelle. Thank you. Amen. So Rochelle didn't let her past keep her from her future. Let go of the past, but keep the lessons that it teaches you. Keep the lessons that it teaches you. God is not limited by your past. In fact, he can use it, and he will if you let him. So often we look back at our lives and we think, well, how in the world could God 
use me. But that's the, one of the favorite lies of the enemy, to get in your ear. To get in your ear. What is it called when you can't get a song out? A earworm? A bug? What is it, you guys? No? Never heard of that? I'll look it up between services. Anyway, um, you know, you just are, you hear those lies, lies, lies of the enemy. But he's not limited by your past. In fact, the Bible describes your new life in him as a clean slate. A clean slate. Look on uh, this scripture here. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. I'm going to read that to you in the Message Bible. It's not going to be on the screen. I want you to listen to these words. Because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We looked at the Messiah that way once and got it all wrong, as you know. We certainly don't look at him that way anymore. Now we look inside. And what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone, a new life emerges. Look at it. All this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and him and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. Aren't you happy about that? Amen. Your past sins were literally blotted out. What does that mean? You can't even see them. God doesn't even see them anymore. Once you have asked for forgiveness, you know, it's gone. It can't even be seen anymore. They're no more. Rahab was the perfect example of how God can use any life that is willing and obedient. But I wonder, what about you? Can God use you? Can you get past your past? Can you believe that God wants to do things in you and through you? I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. I don't care what you look like. God wants to use you. And if it's not in a big platformy ministry, stars and, you know, spotlights, it doesn't matter. You've got a world full of people around you that need to know Jesus. One of my favorite things that I got out of our uh, life group was Christine Kane reminding us that the last thing that Jesus said should be the, our first priority. Share the word and make disciples. So would you close your eyes this morning? Maybe you're thinking about, God can't use me. There's so much stuff in my past. Maybe you haven't repented for those things in your past. Maybe you haven't even asked for forgiveness. You just thought, well, I'll just forget about it and it'll go away. No, it's still going to chase you. You need to let it go. So I want you to know without a shadow of a doubt that God wants to use you despite your past. If you feel like there's something still that you've held on to, just slip up your hand real quick so I can pray with you and for you. There's something in your past, amen. There's somebody back there over here as well. Please let it go today. Let it go today and watch what God wants to do. Watch what God wants to do. Maybe you've never surrendered your heart to Jesus. Maybe you have um, thought about it, you come to church, but you've never really fully surrendered your life to Jesus. I'm gonna give you that opportunity right now 
to do that. Raise up your hand right now. I want to fully surrender my life. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you. I see that hand there. Well, let's pray. Father, first of all, pray, I pray for those that can't seem to let go of their past. Father, I pray that they would release that to you. Lay it at the foot of Jesus. Lay it at the cross so that you can, uh, you can take care of all of those past hurts, past things, that they could finally be free. And Father, for those that raise their hand for salvation, Lord, we pray that you would touch their heart right now to a full surrender. Would everybody in the house repeat this after me? Because we, if we are a believer, we've, had this, we've said this prayer. And for those of you that raised your hand or maybe didn't or maybe you're watching online, let's pray this prayer together. Father God, I thank you for forgiving me. I thank you for a fresh start and a new beginning. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, was buried, and rose on the third day so that I could have eternal life in heaven with God. I thank you, Lord, and I ask you to help me to live in ways that glorify you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. It's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in your life. We would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps might be, visit thefathershouse.com next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.